This morning, we're going to be talking about grace and responsibility. Does grace mean that we can be irresponsible and do whatever we please? Does responsibility in as far as what we're supposed to do before God negate the work on Jesus' cross? Or is there something more that you and I need to understand in all of this? Do we work against the grace of God by obeying and repenting, or do we spit in Jesus' face? Good morning, and welcome to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. God's Resistance exists for God's kingdom, for Christ's kingdom, and for his crown. And a huge part of that is that we've got to be effective in our calling. And to be effective in our calling, we must be living a Christian life. We must be living a life with victory over sin. And this morning, that's what we are going to be talking about is how do we live a life of victory over sin according to the gospel? And so we're going to be looking in Ezekiel chapter 18, a few places for this. Now, before I get started, there are a lot of different ideas about um what responsibility and grace looks like in the Christian life because of so many different theological camps. Some people think that we're so far gone that we can't do anything. We can't even uh, make one step toward God. He must do everything for us. Some people think that basically the gospel is just a gospel of self-improvement, but it is the work of God's spirit and our cooperation together, which the Bible uh, teaches us, which we're supposed to be following after God as the Spirit helps us to know and understand what we're supposed to do. So we're going to be looking into that scripture section uh, right now. So let's look over then to Ezekiel um, chapter 18, verse 20. It says here, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. So here is an idea for you and I to be thinking about. There are, there's two parties that are here in this. There is a father and there is a son. And we're told that the responsibility is to each person. Whatever they do, they're responsible for. There is, however, a strange teaching um, that has really, I think, is a Gnostic hangover, is a Greek philosophy kind of a hangover of fatalism, which is masquerading as Christianity under the cloak of Calvinism, that says that we are responsible, we are guilty of the sin that Adam did. When we look at this particular scripture, I think it's very evident that we're not guilty of the sin that Adam did. I mean, if you look here over at the scripture, it says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Does that sound like uh, if Adam sinned, then I'm going to die as a result of my guilt for what he had done. Now, death had come into the world because of sin coming into the world, and that was a consequence of what Adam did that just made decay and depravity and destruction everywhere. But I'm not responsible for that because God says something different. So when we look over there, it says, The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. It sounds like what's going on is that you and I uh, have to be responsible for ourselves. Uh, whatever my father does is not going to damn me to hell. 
Now, it could put me in a situation where I may be more liable to go in a certain direction in my life because of the sins of my own father, but never because uh, I have guilt because of what my father had done. My father will have to pay for that. I'll have to pay for the things that I'm doing. So we're told that the righteousness of the righteous will be upon him. We're told also that the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. So here we find a personal responsibility that the gospel does teach us, and what are we going to do about it? We're told here, um, because, excuse me, uh, but if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he hath committed and keep all my statutes and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live and he shall not die. There seems to be something of a personal responsibility in all of this. God is saying that the wicked has a chance to turn from his iniquity, has a, has a chance to turn from his sins and to do better than what he had been doing. Why would God command somebody to do something like that if it's all a big farce, if God has to do everything for us? However, that's not the gospel. That's not the way God has constructed things. He has given us commands because he wants us to cooperate. And as we take our steps of faith and moving forward, he gives us the grace to do what we would not have been able to do had we just tried to come at the gospel like a self-improvement situation. So we're told that if the wicked uh, will turn from his ways, uh, all his sins that he hath committed and keep all my statutes and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. All his transgressions that he hath committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him. In his righteousness that he hath done, he shall live. So it appears to be that God recognizes when people do righteously. Now, that wouldn't make any sense if God's got to do everything for us, because then it's like God applauding himself, but trying to kind of put a cloak over it as if we've done it. But he's not doing that. He's appealing to reason. He's appealing to common sense. And we have to realize that under the gospel dispensation, yes, grace lifts, of us, lifts us up higher than we would have been able to do by ourselves, but grace is not a license for us to do nothing and just expect God to do everything for us. Grace is the empowerment of God to get lifted up above sin in the sins that have entangled and have snared us. He wants to lift us up above that and to give us some grace. I want to slide down to verse 23 here. He says, have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord God, and not that he should return from his ways and live? So here we find uh, something different in God than what Calvinists would say. Calvinists say, to the praise of God's glorious grace, he has chosen some to heaven and some to hell. It's, been, it's his good pleasure that these things are done. But how does that jive with the verse that we just read here that says, Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord God? This isn't just Ezekiel, it's God saying it. And not that he should return from his ways and live. So what does that help us to realize? God wants repentance. God wants us to turn from wickedness. He does not want us to continue to stay in wickedness. So he says, return from your wickedness. Don't die in your wickedness. If we move on to verse 24, we read, but when the righteous turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity and doeth according to all the abominations that the wicked man doeth, shall he live? All his righteousness that he hath done shall not be mentioned. 
in his trespass that he hath trespassed, and in his sin that he hath sinned, in them shall he die. Whoa. That, sound, that, that sounds heavy. What God is saying is that the wicked need to take responsibility and repent from their ways. And then he said, when they do that, they're living in righteousness. I recognize that. My love is over those people. My grace is over those people. God is well pleased with those people. But then he goes on the flip side. Now, this flies in the face of a lot of what perhaps most uh, evangelical churches or such would say about things. They would say, you know, that it, got, it doesn't matter what we do. We've got our ticket punched. But here God says, if righteous people turn away from their righteousness and turn to wickedness, he said the same thing. Is that person going to live or is he going to die? God tells us without any confusion that if you were living righteously and walking with God, you were a child of God, you're moving with him and you turn away, you, fa- you, you face the same punishment, you face the same ends that just a wicked person who's never walked in that way would face. That stresses the, the dead necessity of repentance. You and I, we have to repent. Repentance is a throwing off the ways of sin, a hating the, the, the garment spotted with the flesh and turning fully to Jesus Christ. If we turn fully to Jesus Christ, then his grace is going to be ours. He's going to do exceeding abundantly above what you and I would ask or think. So, dear listener, <clears throat> do not be confused by the theological jargon that basically is just telling us that we can do whatever we please. God, God loves us if we're one of the elect or once we're saved, we're always saved. These scriptures make it very evident that that is not the case. Because if he does, if the righteous man does wickedly, he asks the rhetorical question, shall he live? And he says, no, all his righteousness that he hath done shall not be mentioned. Just like our sins would be forgotten, just like our sins would be going from the east to the west, that's as far away as they are. He's saying the righteous person's deeds will also be forgotten, just the same as wickedness was forgotten. If he repents from his righteousness and turns to wickedness, that's a scary thing for you and I uh, to hear at this moment. But I want to ask you, if this has been a help to you, then please click the like button, subscribe, share this video with somebody uh, else. And part of Iron Sharpening Iron is for you to engage over this topic in the comments below. And then I also want you to visit godsresistance.com or find us on your favorite podcasting platform. Now back to our study here. So as we continue to move on, uh, we are going to look at, uh, let's see here, verses, um, well, verse 25. Look at this. Yet ye say the way of the Lord is not equal. Hear now, O house of Israel, is not my way equal? Are not your ways unequal? Now, this sounds kind of crazy, but this is modern day evangelicalism. You mean to say that you want me to live a life of victory over sin? And they think that's just wrong. That's not right. Who can do that? And essentially what we're saying is the same thing that's being said right here. Your ways aren't equal, Lord, but God says, Here now, O house of Israel, is not my way equal. Are your are not your ways unequal? And he would say the same to the church of Jesus Christ today. Aren't your ways unequal? You're you're trying to wrestle God to fit with your sinful lifestyle instead of allowing the Spirit of God to wrestle with the sin in you and for you to just give up the fight and give everything over to him that he can free you from your sin. That's what he wants. 
But then we go on to verse 26 here. When a righteous man turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity and dieth in them, for his iniquity that he hath done, shall he die. That is, that, that's just plain and simple. You will die because of your iniquity, even if you were a righteous person. Again, when the wicked man turneth away from his wickedness that he hath committed and doeth that which is lawful and right, he shall save his soul alive. This seems to be the, the biblical definition of repentance, that you and I, we need to repent. And repentance is clearly defined here by God. Let's move down a few verses and look here. Verse uh, 30, therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, saith the Lord God. Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. Cast away from you all your transgressions, whereby you have transgressed. So here we find this is the definition of repentance. The definition of repentance is that we are to cast off our iniquities. Um, so we are to, to turn away from those things. We are to turn from our transgressions to separate ourselves from iniquity because he says they're going to be our ruin and to cast away our transgressions far away from us. That's not something that God does for us. That's something that you and I have to do. That's why God has commanded us to do it. So we need to cast away those sins uh, that we have committed. And then he says, make you a new heart and a new spirit for why will you die, O house of Israel? Wait a minute. How is God able to command us to make ourselves a new heart and a new spirit? Repentance is a change of heart, is a new attitude towards sin, is a new attitude towards life and righteousness and what we're supposed to be doing. And he says, you do that. You do it, house of Israel. You do it, dear listener. You make yourself a new heart. You turn away from sin and flee to Christ. Look to him wholeheartedly and he will furnish the grace to pull you up out of the pit. But you have to do the turning, the repenting, first. He can't do that for you. And then he says, for I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. God is merciful. He doesn't want us to die. He wants us to turn from our wickedness. He wants us to live. He wants us to be um, people that, that love Jesus with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength. He wants us to continue on in a way of victory over sin because Jesus triumphed over the grave. He triumphed over sin. And I would ask you, dear listener, is that where you are? Have you triumphed over sin or are you still giving excuse for sin? Can you see from Ezekiel 18 that this just kind of flimsy Christianity of continuing to walk in sin doesn't jive with the spirit of God? The question is, dear listener, what are you going to do with what God has revealed? Will you sin or will you repent? We'll see you in the next video.